Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Tim Bielek, Bill Landis, your Ohio State football coverage team from Cleveland.com. It's Penn State week. We're going to talk a lot of football. But we're not going to only talk football. We did a podcast on Monday where we talked a lot of Penn State, Michigan, and we gave a lot of uh, evaluation of how Penn State matches up with Ohio State. So make sure you go and listen to that. Um, but we're going to get more into the Buckeyes. We talked to Urban Meyer on Monday. We talked to players and coaches on Tuesday. We have some insight from them. Uh, but we also want to talk about donuts, coffee, maybe burritos. Um, Tim, what was your poll, Tim, that you did it on? Um, I did, well, as I quoted, a semi-scientific poll on Twitter for the alternate jerseys. I had a separate one. Ooh, alternate jerseys. Yeah, so. They're all, a Twitter poll is science. Twitter is science. It's science of the people. You go straight to the people, and they tell you what they think. If that's not science, I don't know what it is. Even if we don't ask them what they think, they'll still tell you. We have some good comments from you guys on stuff, so we're going to get into that. But we are going to talk a lot about this game. It's Ohio State-Penn State, 3.30 on Saturday at Ohio Stadium. And with we're going to get into the jerseys as well. Um, so Tim has his poll on that. I also asked two polls um, that are actually currently still barely running. So we'll give you the results by the end. But one was about Tim Hortons, which is moving into Northeast Ohio, and some people are very excited about that. So we wanted to... For our friends in Northeast Ohio, for our friends in Central Ohio, for our friends around the country, uh, what do you think of Tim Hortons? But we also asked a football one, and there's actually more football responses than Tim Hortons responses, which usually when I ask food questions, people are like, we don't care what you think about football. Let's mm-hmm. talk food. Here was my football question, and this is the heart of what I want to get to to start the podcast today. Have Ohio State's losses to Clemson and Oklahoma shaken your confidence in the Buckeyes in big games and affected your view of the Penn State game? More than 750 votes so far. What do you think is the percent of people that said yes, they have been shaken and affected by the shutout loss to Clemson and the convincing loss to Oklahoma at home? And that is affecting their view of this game Saturday. I would guess that it's close to 70%, if not more. About 63%. Ooh, good number. 62%. Man, you cheated. So two-thirds. <laughs> Did you cheat? No, I I, I technically I got it. a glimpse of the bars. I didn't see the numbers, but I saw the one was Damn kind it, of I thought I had a glimpse of the bars, too, and I was wrong. God, so you're both cheaters. My eyes yeah, are just I better. failed at cheating. Maybe my eyes are just better than yours. I mean, I am wearing glasses. So 62%. 
I guess I'm not surprised by that, but part of the reason I wanted to ask that is because I can change your mind on that, people of Buckeye Talk land. And I said it in the first podcast Monday, if you didn't listen, Ohio State's going to win on Saturday, basically, is what I said. I'm going to start calling you Ohio State Evangelist Doug Lamarys. <laughs> yeah, we have Optimistic Tim and, and Ohio State Evangelist Doug. And uh, Realistic Bill. Yeah. Um, Wait, it's Optimistic Tim, Evangelistic Doug, Realistic Bill. Yeah. With yeah. the istics. <laughs> um, does that make sense to you that people have had their confidence shaken? And that's the thing that's that's a little hard to wrap your head around for me. This is an Urban Meyer program that is unbelievably successful. And people don't believe in the Buckeyes in big games right now. And that, to me, is a little... It's not hard to believe, but it's it's when you think about it, that that's where we are in year six. Where are we in year six of the Urban Meyer Ohio State era? We are in a place where Ohio State fans don't believe in Ohio State in big games. It's kind of crazy, too, like... So I've been covering the team since 20 – my first year covering the team was 2014. I'm the reason they won the national championship. But, like, that year, that fan base – fan base didn't obviously think they were going to win the national championship that year. But after that win, it was like, oh, we're going to beat – no one can beat us. And they even felt like after the Michigan State loss in 15, it was like that was a fluke. And then they came back and they crushed Michigan and they crushed Notre Dame. Um, and then, like, it, it flipped. It completely flipped in, 20, in 2016. And to be fair, and they won – they won – that's the thing that happens sometimes. People only remember big games where you lost. They won a lot of big games in 2016. Wasn't yeah. at Wisconsin a big game? It was a huge game. Yeah. Mich- like the one was was a two versus three when the Michigan game when, when they finally got to it. Yeah. So it was. One of the greatest college football games played in the last fifty years, and they won that game. Came at, back from a deficit and won that game. At Oklahoma? Yeah. Was that a big game? So it'd be interesting. Like maybe, maybe that's the what is it? Sixty-two. Yeah, maybe that's the the outliers who are somewhat confident or thinking of those games. But it is. It's it's frankly a little shocking to me that we're, we're at that high of a percentage with an Urban Meyer coach football team that won a national championship. Yeah, you guys both figured that we that we would be. Yeah, yeah. Did, yeah. did you figure? Did you both figure that there would be a high percentage of people who were shaken because? You think they should be shaken? So you thought, yes, it will be high? Or did you think that because that's just your read of the fan base and you expected, well, I think a lot of people probably are freaked out even if they shouldn't be? Well, I think a lot of it, you know, has to do with the last two losses. I mean, when you talk about the shutout against Clemson, then not looking good at all against Oklahoma. And all people have seen for the last few weeks, last few weeks, and going back to the end of October last year when Ohio State lost to Penn State, they've seen Ohio State struggle in bigger moments, needing double overtime against Michigan, getting shut up by Clemson. Meanwhile, they see Penn State just roll through basically everybody except USC, not even be tested this season outside of the Iowa game. I think it's it's perception and i think in 2017 more than more than anything other perception is the reality and the reality is everybody sees penn state is rolling everybody yet everybody is also we ohio state fans have also seen their team struggle in in two in their last two big games so i think there's a little bit of recency going like a little what have you done for me lately going on there my i forget what your wording was but my answer is the second one Whatever it was you said. What did I ask? Was it about donuts? No, I can't no, remember no. What I asked. It was. Uh, 
Oh, do we think it was high? Do we think it was high because we think it should be high, or because that's the vibe we get from the fan base, and it's the vibe? Like I don't. Sixty-two percent in my mind is crazy high, but I'm not surprised by it because of the conversation we've been having for a year now. Okay, so <clears throat> do you want me to? Would you like Doug, the Ohio State evangelist, to break it down for the people to tell Please. them why they should not let the Clemson and Oklahoma games influence their view of the Penn State game? Spread the good word. All man. yours. As I like to preface, I like to preface things I say with a preface, hmm? and my preface is I like prefaces. <laughs> is this your preface to your preface to your preface? My preface is I've mostly said this stuff before. Clemson game. Bottom line, they should never have been there. So, yeah, they went and got their butt kicked by one of the best college football players in a generation and a great defensive line. Stacked with NFL talent. And who went and got their butt kicked? One of the youngest teams in college football that barely got through that regular season. That easily, instead of having one regular season loss, could have had three that probably should have had three. I've said that before. They were a nine and three team that went eleven and one, and their reward for going in eleven and one in the regular season was the chance to get your butt kicked by Clemson. Congratulations! Mm. Enjoy your prize. So that's great. I'm always on the side of you want your team to go as far as possible. I'd rather have my team get its butt kicked in the playoff than win a game that's not in the playoff. You were one of four teams with a chance to win the national championship. You didn't. But you went to the postseason and prepped for a month with the chance to do so. Of course you take that. What did you like better, getting your butt kicked by Clemson or beating Notre Dame in 2015 in a meaningless fiesta bowl while Michigan State was in the playoff? I hope Ohio State fans liked losing in the playoff more than they liked beating Notre Dame in that bowl game. I know that there are going to be people who who say, no, I like the other thing. I just think that's the wrong way to look at sports. I would want my team to be in the biggest games and lose than be in the mediocre games and win. The whole point is the is getting there. I think getting there is more important than winning it. Because if you're there, you're in it. And you can tell stories about you were in it, you were excited, you had a party, you were in it. Of course you want to win. But I would rather be in it and lose than not be in it and win. So, Clemson, they should not have been there. A lot of people thought they were going to beat Clemson. All those people were wrong. People were overly optimistic about Ohio State last year. They didn't get a read on how broken the offense was. They let the fact that like Marshawn Lattimore and Malik Hooker went from first-year starters to first-round draft picks, which is unbelievable. But in the end, that was still a very young team, and a lot of their holes could be attributed to youth and inexperience. And they ended up getting their butt kicked in a big game because they won so many other big games along the way. They kept creating opportunities for big games, the last of which they weren't ready for. Wipe Clemson away. If Ohio State had done what it was supposed to do, if they had lost the big game to Wisconsin and they had gone to some other random bowl game and beaten the 11th best team in the country... You would have you would think they have a better chance to beat Ohio State. Penn State. Penn State, right? You would you as an Ohio State fan, if they had beaten Oklahoma State in a bowl game last year. That would be a really fun game. In a basically meaningless bowl game, because all bowl games that aren't the playoff are, by definition, meaningless. They're vacations. Mm-hmm. If they had done that 
and one, you right now today would somehow feel better about their chances. And that really, no offense to you, doesn't make any sense. Oklahoma game. Offensive coaches who weren't ready for it. Transition, new stuff, transition, still learning each other. Expectations too high. Reasonable that you didn't snap your fingers and change this offense overnight. Completely reasonable that in week eight you'll be better, or game eight you'll be better than you were in game two. Completely reasonable. I don't have to explain it any more than that. That's completely reasonable. And as good as Saquon Barkley is, and as good as Trace McSorley is, you had the most important player on the field that night play a magic game. So Saquon, any running back can't control the game the way a quarterback can. Trace McSorley is good. He's not Baker Mayfield. So you had the combination of a new offensive staff in transition, and the other team had a magic quarterback who had a magic night, and stuff didn't go your way. Stuff happens. But I don't think either of those two circumstances have very much to do with this Ohio State team getting ready for game eight. Feel good. I do feel good. I like what you said, and it reminds me of Chevy Chase said it in the original vacation. Getting there is half the fun. That's... We're in the wagon right now. We're in the wagon with like a dead person strapped to the roof. That was Rutgers. Yeah. He's in a station wagon. What is this Rutgers lane? My God, it feels like we're in a station wagon with a dead person strapped to the roof. <laughs> Rutgers, by the way, not to interrupt your vacation metaphor. Well, no, that was all I had. Just that. Oh, that was it. That was by the way, props for, for making uh, an allusion to something in pop culture that Doug and I actually get. <laughs> hey, give me credit. I. I I thought of that like kind of in the middle of what he was saying. I'm like, that's I'm Doug seems like he's in that camp of hashtag getting there's half the fun. So there is a thing. This is a thing that comes up a lot in my house. Um, you know how when they have a movie and then they have it on TV and they have to take out all the swear words. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's a part I think in vacation where they are driving through a not so great part of a city. Oh, oh yes, I know. That's such a good. And, <laughs> yeah. Do you guys? And, and so they ask. He's like stops to ask directions. Yeah. And I think in the real movie, when he stops to ask directions, the guy says to Chevy Chase, "F yo mama," but he says the f word. Yeah. <laughs> and in the TV version, he says, "Who do I look like, Christopher Columbo?" Really? That's it's a-, a completely different scene, and it's funnier. Who do I look like? Christopher Columbo is funnier than F your mama. Yeah, because he yeah. asked. He says, "Excuse me, Holmes," and then they ask for directions, right? Yeah. yeah, and then they like steal his hubcaps. But I don't know that I've ever seen that. That that it's like they filmed. They took a whole separate piece of dialogue, like they like they filmed it. Like I was just do a couple different things where the guy says different stuff, and yeah. they saved it for the TV version. They didn't just bleep it out. That's I've never noticed that because I've watched I've probably seen it more on network television than I have yeah like the unedited version I never so, noticed that before and sometimes when we're lost we say to each other in our in my house now who do, who do I look like Christopher Colombo that's really funny um, Rutgers here's another thing that is a partial fallacy of what was I talking about I think I talked about it on Monday I think Ralph Russo talk, wrote about this for the AP 
about the idea of you beat a team so bad you don't get any respect for the win because people assume you beat them so bad because they stink. Ohio State beat the living daylights out of Rutgers, made Rutgers look like a middle school team, as they have every year since Rutgers has been in the Big Ten. Rutgers just beat the Purdue team that, like, almost beat Michigan. So, like, Rutgers is not good, but Rutgers is not, like, they should be in in the MAC the way Ohio State made them look, right? It's just a point I wanted to make about, yeah, Ohio State hasn't played anybody since Oklahoma, They've been making a lot of mediocre teams look awful, and that's really about Ohio State being really good. Yeah, I think there's a misconception that the teams Ohio State have beat have been like the bottom of the barrel in college football, and that is not the case whatsoever. Even Army. Army is like arguably a top 50 college football team, and there are 130 of them. And they're bowl eligible, right? Bowl eligible. Rutgers is like they're beating the crap out of the middle. And I think, like, whatever, it's not the top, but I think there's something to be said for beating the crap out of the middle, too. Which is like the same fight I got in during the Nebraska game with Nebraska fans. When I said, Nebraska's not terrible. Nebraska fans were like, yes, we are. I mean, Nebraska's Nebraska's going to win a couple more games. Don't say anything that might make Mike Riley's job a little more secure. Yeah. Like, you're, <laughs> you're not, not terrible. terrible. Um, okay, so what do you what do you guys think of... The level of confidence, and, and I'm not asking for a prediction. I'm not asking how it's going to happen, but like, what would you? Should Ohio State fans feel good going into this game? They're seven point favorites. I mean, there's a little bit of just natural uneasiness. I think that comes with any game like this. Even if Ohio State was undefeated, had beaten Oklahoma, and was rolling, and Penn State was what is doing what it's doing right now, I don't think you come into the game 100 percent confident that Ohio State's going to win. Um, but I think, yeah, you should be more confident than the 62% of people who are, have a complete lack of confidence, it seems like, in Ohio State's ability to win big games. I think you've laid out very solid points. I agree that they shouldn't have been in Clemson, been in the Clemson game. Um, I agree that the team that showed up on week two against Oklahoma is not the team that's going to show up this week. Um, the thing we talked about early in the year about not having a tune-up game for Oklahoma, I think carries real weight. And you played your tune-up game against Oklahoma, and it showed, and you weren't ready, and your offense stunk. Um, what we're doing, and this is like nothing like this. It's nothing crazy. I'm saying like we're we're removing the emotional factor from our analysis of this game. And I know as fans, you can't. That's why you're fans, and that's why we have jobs, and we appreciate that. But if you can remove yourself from it, even just a little bit, take a step back and look at how well Ohio State's playing and look at some of the numbers that suggest that like, in every facet Ohio State is better than Penn State, you should feel better about this game than you're feeling at the moment. Yeah, and I, um, I, I agree. There's a lot to be said, I think, for just the uneasiness of this game because everybody realizes that it's win or go home. Basically, you lose, you're it's not going to win or go to Iowa, baby. Well, you're yeah, but way. as far as, like, the playoff goes, you lose, you're out. You're not getting in no matter what happens unless, just for whatever reason, like, fifteen te- the 15 teams in front of Ohio Rutgers State. Rutgers runs a rough shot again over the rest of the Big Ten in Ohio State. At, <laughs> that Rutgers yeah, win starts looking really good. Four and five in conference gets the Big Ten title game. Exactly. I mean, I think th- there's got to be a, there's a little more desperation. We can get into this later. Ha- this will be up later on Wednesday in my Big Ten power rankings, and I talk about this. The idea of Ohio State needing this win more than Penn State does because it's the opposite of what happened with Oklahoma when I talked to Reese Davis about this before the game. He admitted this was more important it was more important for Oklahoma for Oklahoma 
to win than Ohio State. Now it's the opposite. Ohio State needs this game because if they lose, they're out. They're not getting back in. Penn State loses this game. That's not necessarily the case. They'll be they'll be like everybody else, a one-loss team hoping for some chaos in front of them. Ohio State's already sort of had that chaos happen where if they win out, they're in at this point. But that's the key. They need to win out. They need to win on Saturday or they can kiss their playoff dream goodbye. Do you, I'm curious to ask you, Doug, and maybe I can't remember back this far. It was only what, six or seven weeks ago. Um, do you sense a different vibe about them now than you did going into the Oklahoma game? Um, I, I, honestly, I think no. I felt like they were pretty confident for Oklahoma. Um, I remember talking to one of the players who was sort of uh, – talking about some slights from Oklahoma. So he, he had heard some guy from Oklahoma said this, and it was like the kind of thing that, that a player says to himself to like get himself fired up for the game. Um, someone, someone mentioned this. There was a story that I didn't write this. We didn't write this yet. But JT Barrett last week said, I'm the same quarterback as I am, as I was for Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would file these under the same things, which is sometimes players don't evaluate themselves properly. <laughs> so I feel like Ohio State was like falsely confident for Oklahoma because they didn't realize what they didn't do well. They didn't realize that the offense really hadn't found its rhythm with the new coordinators yet. Um they didn't realize that like Oklahoma was like had built up to this all summer and was coming here to kill them because they were so ticked off. Um, and so I don't think JT Barrett realizes that he's different, but he is different. He is different. He's more confident. And so maybe it's just the routes and the rhythm and the play calling and the scheme and all that stuff. But that stuff makes him play with more confidence, whether he realizes it or not. Sometimes guys don't want to admit things to themselves. They think it makes them look weak if they said they were ever wrong or ever not at their best. So I feel like Ohio State may not be thinking that much different, and the players may not think that they have changed. But I would say... As the guys who go and talk to them, as the guys who watch them, as the guys who evaluate them from the outside, I don't think it's undeniable that in the individual play of many players and in the overall readiness and real confidence for the for this team in this game, that it is completely different. Yeah, I buy that. And this is probably worth nothing because it's just a coach – saying something. James Franklin said he thinks JT Barrett's more confident. Like, he says he sees that when he's watching the film of Ohio State's offense. Really? Yeah. Was that in his news conference on Tuesday? It was in his news conference, and he might have he, he probably said it in the Big Ten call, too. But, like, he was very complimentary, as coaches are, of Ohio State's offense in general. But then he said, like, you know, we've, this is the fourth time they're playing JT, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said that he senses a little more confidence in him from the way he's played the last few games. Interesting. All right, James Franklin has a better read on, on, board. on JT Barrett than JT Barrett has of himself. Um, all right, I want to do. I, I was thinking that we could. I was thinking of ways for Buckeye Talk to make the world a better place, and we always do like a little commercial either for the food, excuse me, the food bank or 
our own podcasts. Which is not making the world a better place. That's just sh- uh, shameless self-promotion. <laughs> Makes my world a better place. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking, I got this. So I stopped at Chipotle. We're in my basement. We came up here uh, after Ohio State interviews on Tuesday um, down on campus. And I stopped at Chipotle. And I got a burrito wrapped in tinfoil. And that was all I got. I didn't have any chips. I didn't have any extra salsa or queso or anything. So they wanted to put my burrito in a bag for the to-go order. And I said, no, thank you. I'll just carry my burrito. Um, And that is something that I try to do a lot in my life. I feel like America is addicted to bags. Mm. One time I bought a gallon of milk that literally comes – has a handle. It's a handle built into the jug. And the person at the grocery store wanted to give me a bag to put the milk in. It's like, I already have a device. There's a handle on the thing. Why would I put it in a bag? I, in my life, try to turn down bags whenever possible. Because if it's plastic it's it's uh, or, or paper, either way, it's just an unnecessary waste. It's bad for the environment, right? It's recyclable. But it's but the best recycling is to never use it. You can recycle plastic. I guess you can recycle plastic bag. Yeah, like outside Giant Eagle, they have like. Are you questioning my cause? <sighs> this is this not the best way we can make the world a better place by like not using bags? Yeah. Here's my here. I even I mean, have a continue, slogan. Continue, continue. Go ahead. So when you go to a store, if you can carry the stuff in your hands, and all you're going to do is put it in a bag. Take it out to your car, but it's not going to be any more convenient for it to be in the bag or in your hand. And then as soon as you get home, you throw the bag away. Because not everybody recycles those with plastic bags, by That's the true. way. They should. Do you recycle your plastic grocery bags? Do you, Tim? I collect them all the time. You know, I just what I usually do is like I kind of ball them up together. Then my fiance usually will do something. With Take them to the fire. place. You do that. Uh, oh, see, look, you're Mister. They're recyclable, and they're I, I wasn't, getting, I wasn't getting on my high horse. I was just saying they, like they are recyclable. But no, we uh, theoretically we use. Uh, well, we often just bring our own like tote bags to the grocery store, like canvas bags. You do that? I forget that. Yeah, but sometimes whenever we get plastic bags, we keep them, and then we use those for like the bathroom trash cans, and then we throw them in the trash. Oh home. yeah, or also dog poop. And, uh, we have a uh, little uh, tiny bags that are attached to the leash for the dog poop. Oh yeah, yeah. Here, my here was my slogan. Go bagless with Buckeye Talk. Every time you're in a store and you think, I could carry this stuff, think of Buckeye Talk and and just tell the people there, I'm going bagless with Buckeye Talk. And we'll change the world one unused bag at a time. I just don't know what that's changing. (laughs) (laughs) It's recyclable material. But then you don't have to go to the bother of of the recycling thing. It I mean, just I guess, delays it. I guess it barely so. delays so. the <laughs> inevitable recycling of the bag. Is that – I felt like – Because, the, well, the outcome of that is not going to be grocery stores across America producing less bags. It just means they're going to have a surplus of them just sitting around. Well, eventually, though, like 10 years from now, once people realize – 10 years God, from now, there's going to be more bags than people. <laughs> and it will be your fault. Here's a, but here's – I, I get aggravated by – the greatest – if you could buy a grasping device on the internet that had five prongs and was very nimble and malleable, and you'd be like, wow, that is a tremendous grasping device. I'm going to buy that. That's what your hand is. Mm-hmm. 
God gave you the greatest grasping device you could ever ask for. And I feel like we underutilize our own hands because we're afraid of them. We're afraid to use our hands. Oh, we got to put stuff in a big satchel or a some kind of carrying device when your hand itself is the ultimate carrying device. I, I literally just thought of a device that I swear I saw in one of those like made-for-TV commercials that I think is like kind of what you're talking about. That's not a hand, but similar to it. That you like just can grab like four grocery bags in one hand and it's just like not worry about like wrapping them all around, just like have a hook around each garbage bag. I, I don't know what it's called, They're but I called, swear I've seen it before. Those stupid things that like you get when you like go sign up for a credit card that's like if you got a real one, it's like meant to use for mountain climbing. Yeah. And otherwise you like hook it on your belt and hook it for your keys. I don't know what the hell they're called, but you can hook a bunch of grocery bags to that. And they a can carabiner? Go, carabiner, yeah. Oh. I knew it was something weird. You know what yeah. I can hook a bunch of grocery bags to? My index finger. Oh, yeah, I do that, too. Yeah. By the way, Timmy, watch too much TV. But I also, but I don't even need bags. I could just carry. What would be wrong? You can go to the grocery store and carry $100 worth of groceries in your bare hands. No, but I can carry $23 worth of groceries. So you're going to make four trips in a week instead of one. I'm saying, don't you have time? Or do you enlist the help of your children? Here, carry yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, but at Costco, Costco's anti-bag. Costco makes I don't sure go to Costco. Bag. I don't like the idea of uh, exclusive grocery stores. Oh, really? Like a club? Oh, it makes me yeah. feel good. It's the closest I'm ever going to come to joining a country club is to join I tried Costco. To get, I was in a real gas emergency one time, and the closest gas station was Costco, and I didn't know you had to be a member to get gas. And then I had to push my car from Costco across Were you the shunned for real? Yeah. Wasn't, didn't someone there let you use their card? I would have let you use my membership card. No, I didn't want to ask those elitists if I could use their card. <laughs> <laughs> those elitist, pompous. Costco elitists. That was a tangent. All right, let's do some football questions. I guess I don't think I feel like it's not going to happen now. I, that was not much of a reception from the owner. I'm gonna. I'm not going to lie. I, I lack enthusiasm for your idea. But I mean, we're not going to save the whales. I mean, like we're that would be a more. I would be more down with saving the whales than. But someone's already saving the whales. No one's saving the bags. A lot of whales. Save, well, no one's no, saving we the bags. Well, no, we save more whales on top of the whales that are already being saved. It's like it's like. The cherry on top of the Sunday of saving whales. Hey, do you cut the the things that like canned beverages come in when you get them in the trash? Do you cut them yeah. before you throw them away, so the dolphins don't get strangled by them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Safe flipper. All right, we'll go to a couple football questions. Then we have a lot of Tim Hortons discussion to mm. get into. Um, <clears throat> oh, this is a good topic. I think we need to talk about this. We probably we might need to to, to do more with this later in the week as we get closer. Um, I know on Monday I was talking about a, a game in the 40s to in the 30s. The weather forecast is not great, though. Is that correct? Who's our weatherman? Uh, I looked earlier in the week, and it was, like, cloudy and fine, and then I've been told it's changed, and it's, like, a 90% chance of rain now. Yeah, right now I'm looking at it Saturdays, a high of 54. I see a cloud with, like, a little rain thing in there, just a little illustration. It's not the full weather. I'm going to give you a more... That is is that the Weather Channel app or is that the app that comes on your iPhone? That's the app that comes on the iPhone. It's awful. Get the Weather Channel app. I have the Weather Channel app. I just didn't open it. Well, what are you doing, man? The people demand hour, Siri. By, hour by the hour. What will the weather Saturday, be on cloudy, Saturday? Cloudy with periods of rain. Chance of rain, 90%. Rainfall around half an inch. That's Saturday day, Saturday night. Cloudy skies early will become partly cloudy later at night. So maybe it will be raining when it starts and not when it ends. But rain is in the forecast. All right. Let's do this. Mike Long, at MLong2444, because this is, gets to the heart of it. How does the weather forecast affect the game Saturday? It looks like rain is in the forecast. Does this provide advantages to OSU 
or Penn State? Is there a team that would be bettered by a wet ball and a wet field? And I know because, again, the the things are stuck in people's memory banks. If it's going to rain on Saturday, people are immediately going Give to the go ball to, Zeke Elliott. Oh, he's to awful memories of 2015 and the Michigan State loss. If there, if it becomes a game where you literally can't throw, I think that favors Ohio State. Like, significantly. If all you have to worry about is Saquon Barkley and bottling him up and Trace McSorley can't throw 50-50 balls and Mike Gusecki and can't push it 50 yards downfield with an arm punt. Um, by the way, I don't think he can throw. Um, we have an arm punt question. Coming, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think a rainy, pounded out run game favors Ohio State. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. And it, the only worry I have is if it rains, I wonder how much Ohio State would try to go to the that bubble screen perimeter game. And it's going to be hard for guys like Paris Campbell to make those cuts on a slippery field. That's where it's going to be tricky for them, I think. As yeah. opposed to like when you hand it to Dobbins or Weber and they just go straight downhill, which. Saquon Barker is a really good running back, but there's not, if there's one weakness, he doesn't necessarily run extremely well between the tackles. Yes. He's a perimeter guy, and if if it's rainy, I would trust Ohio State's ability to more run right into the teeth of the Penn State defense than the other way around. I agree 100%. But what was the game? Was it What was the Michigan State game where it was so windy? Was that last year? That was last year's at game. At Michigan State? Where like JT threw that ball to the sideline, where up in the press box, you literally saw it dip yeah. and like switch directions. Yeah. So, so wind, I think, is actually... Worse would be worse. There's, I don't think that we're not talking like there's wind in the forecast, but that's the thing that really throws off your pass game. Because here again, going back, if we want me to go back, speaking of old rants, I still believe that the biggest problem with the 2015 Michigan State game was not that they didn't give it to Ezekiel Elliott enough, was that they didn't throw it enough. Because Ezekiel Elliott averaged like 2.6 yards per carry that game. He was not having a good game. I agree with you. I was just mimicking Ohio State fans. So. They just decided not to throw because it was a little bit wet, and I and they got away from that too much, and played a defensive slugfest. But um, I do agree. I don't. I guess to me, if it rains, it just goes from a forty to thirty game to a twenty to teens game. But yeah. I don't know that it changes the fundamental parts of the game because both teams can run the ball. Both teams have quarterbacks who can run. It's not like there's one team that's so dependent on the passing game or is weaker in the run game. They're very – let's branch off. They're, aren't they very similar offenses, period? <laughs> like, no, I think – Like, how are they different? I think Tim's point about where they run the ball is well said. Because um, I think it goes the same – you can say the same for Barkley – or for Rick Sorley, as you would say for Barkley, that they're both better when they're running on the perimeter – We've seen it. JT Barrett can be a fullback, and he can run between the tackles. We know Mike Weber can run between the tackles. I think Dobbins can do it a little bit. We talked about like his pad level when he turns it and gets through the hole, kind of like Zeke Elliott used to. Um, I don't think uh, Saquon Barkley does not run in a downhill fashion that suits that suits that kind of running game. He he, I think relies a lot on traction and stopping on a dime and making you miss, and then jump cutting and getting outside. Um, and maybe that limits J.K. Dobbins a little bit, but I don't think it limits Mike Weber and it doesn't limit J.T. Barrett. And I think it would limit Barkley and McSorley. Now, Barrett's more of a power runner. And even against Nebraska, he had a touchdown where at the end of the play, he just leveled a guy right in the end zone. There were two around him. He ran in, knocked a guy down right as he crossed the goal line, just knocked him right down. So Ohio State fans should not fear the rain. Uh, I mean, maybe fear it a little. I don't know. I think it will change the game, but 
I would it would make me feel better if I'm an Ohio State fan if it's if it's raining to the point where literally you're just running on every play. Tyler Shoemaker, loyal listener, at Buckeye Ty twenty three. Over under on Nick Bosa tackles for loss two and a half. And I would like to get into generally what we think the Ohio State defensive line will be able to do against Trace McSorley. Over, under. Um, I would. Part of me thinks over. And I think what's forgotten in the Oklahoma game, Nick Bosa was great in that Oklahoma game. You know, they got they were able to get some negative plays on Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma's running attack. I think he, I think he had one play where he kind of trying to remember exactly what happened. Then he pushed a lineman sort of into Mayfield and mm-hmm. dropped Baker back at the one yard line. He was almost a safety. Yeah, yeah. Nick, Bo- Nick Bosa came close to safety. I think he could do that again. And I think Ohio State should be well prepared to defend a mobile quarterback because they have three of them on their roster that they practice against every single day. I think Penn State's offensive line is just kind of average. Um, I think Nick Bosa has a big day. I'll say over. Because it is, like, for as shifty as Saquon Barkley is, if you watch some of Penn State's games, these games where the defenses are really keying on him and just taking, like, going to him in the read game every time, they're knocking him down in the backfield. It's when he gets on the edge that he's really dangerous. If you can get to him in the backfield, you can bring him down. And I think Bosa, will, Bosa is quick enough to get there and bring him down to the backfield. Um, one thing I'm going to write about at some point this week that I think is interesting with this defensive line, and it's not what I immediately thought of about what I immediately thought of with the defensive line this season, although they have talked about it in the past. The rotating that they do with their – they have good defensive linemen on the sideline every snap. I heard Sam Hubbard talk about it, and I heard Tyquan Lewis talk about it again. They know the number of snaps they've been playing. Sam Hubbard was, has games lately. He's been in the 20s. Mm-hmm. Tyquan Lewis is saying, I don't think I've played more than 30 in a while. And they think this will be the kind of game on Saturday where they play 50. A, their snap counts have been low because they rotate. And B, they've been in so many blowouts. I know some people think they should yank the starters sooner. But they've gotten some of those defensive linemen out of there. We've seen Jonathan Cooper get in games. We've seen, we've seen Chase Young get more run. I feel like this – they have four really good defensive ends who are not at all worn down. No. They're off a bye, which is great, but also it's the eighth game of the season, and I don't. They are, don't feel like they've played very much. Draymond uh, Jones too. I mean, because he would play more than the ends, but he missed two games because of his injury. So, you know, in a tight, tough, physical game, in game eight of the regular season, they're going to have Nick Bosa, Tyquan Lewis, Sam Hubbard, and Jalen Holmes feeling better than most starting defensive lineman would feel in game eight of a season. And they talk about that, that the guys, and I remember now, I remember talking, who was, I think I was talking to Sam about it earlier in the year about the rotation. He was saying that he remembers like in 2014 and 15, that like Joey Bosa was like dead by the end of the year. Playing like 70 snaps a game. So, it's like, when will that show up? How does it show up? Well, it might just show up in that they look pretty f- spry in a game like this, trying to get after Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley. And if you need a a half little bit of turbo boost when Saquon Barkley is trying to run wide, I, these ends are still going to have it because they haven't played that much. I feel like that's like a hidden, if you were looking for like weird little things, how about this, how about that? 
That's the kind of thing that, to me, could lead to defensive linemen making two extra plays in this game that they wouldn't otherwise, and those are two extra plays that will lead to a Penn State punt instead of a Penn State field goal or touchdown because they're going to be able to chase down Saquon Barkley. Here's here's a a defensive line I'm envisioning pretty much every third down or fourth quarter. Ends, Sam Hubbard, Tyquan Lewis, interior, Draymond Jones, Nick Bosa, and tell Penn State pretty much, go ahead, double somebody. Bosa hasn't played inside really all year. Or... I mean, you get the idea. I mean, the rush, the Rushman is the Rushman package, and yeah. that'll be the same. But yeah, I, I think that's a line I get what that they'll th- they throw you. Th- I throw out there in the fourth quarter as much as I can, and dare Penn State to do anything. Well, against I, I I see what you're saying, and I, I kind of agree with it. I don't like if it's a close game and they're still running the ball with Saquon Barkley. You can't be throwing four ends out there. You got to have some run support. You got to put Michael Hill and Tracy Sprinkle and Draymond's got to get a lot of run, and and you got to have some beefier guys in there. I think exactly to chase down the run. Let's talk about last year for a second. I think it's an interesting uh, question about how the Penn State game ended a year ago, which is uh, obviously affecting how everybody is thinking about this game, and rightly so. Brian Bolin, B. Bolin won. Would you have called a timeout on the field goal attempt last year? Will Urban ever rush a kick again? The blocked field goal... Penn State blocked and returned for a touchdown late in that game. Um, I think it's inarguably one of the greatest coaching mistakes of Urban Meyer's career. I actually forgot about that. I about can't, it's, 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 it's hard to believe he let that happen. A special teams guy, as much as Urban loves to talk about how he is the special teams coach, how you let that happen in that moment is a thing that you would think a, an inexperienced coach, a young coach – a coach who has a reputation of, of being a bad game manager would do. Um, he did not have to put them in that situation. No, and I think I think he also I think those kind of things haunt him. So I don't envision him making the same mistake in that regard twice. Yeah, that obviously. I mean, you were they able to work the play clock down? I obviously didn't. They couldn't make up their mind. I think on what they wanted to do. And I and think they rushed the kick team out there super late. And yeah. I wonder how much you know is just going to be simplified this year, and the fact that communication should be streamlined now. That it should be easier for Urban to make those decisions. You know, offensive stuff is Kevin Wilson's department. If they want to go, for, if they want to kick the field goals, you only have to communicate with one other guy, and that's Kevin Wilson. And then you just t- and then Urban will be like, all right, we're let this take down the one. We'll call a timeout and not have to worry about those kind of things. How much? If streamlining is a difference, I think that might be something a reason why Urban might have wanted to streamline so you don't run into that situation again. You know another thing about that field goal block? Yeah. That play is illegal now. Yeah. Yeah, which Ohio State has made note of. Yeah. You know what another thing about that field goal block is? It had no effect on Ohio State's season, which is like I sort of just wanted to throw that out there again. It's like I believe there is some revenge stuff in play for Ohio State. They made the playoff anyway, and they got a free week off. Yeah, but they want to win the Big Ten championship. Yeah, but like, I, I mean, I it's agree like, with you. How it's not, dare yeah. you? You kept it us yeah. from going to St. Elmo's in Indy. And, and, you know, they would never. Yeah, I get it. it's a it's a little, little overblown for this game. I think, but I mean, to pretend like they don't want to win the Big Ten championship every year, I think would be a little foolish. And they would not have been number one that year. I can't. I could not imagine they would have left Alabama at number one at any point. No, yeah, that wouldn't have. Yeah, they would have wound up. They would have been the two instead of Clemson. Yeah, it wouldn't have mattered. They would have been in the same bowl game against the same team, 
only with one more game they had to play. And and all it would have done is they might have lost to Wisconsin and then not in, not have gotten there. What if they would have beat Penn State and looked bad doing it and they just kept looking bad but kept winning and then would have been the four? And had to play Bama? Yeah. I mean, it's like Penn State – because the thing that it was was like if the committee – had done what I think they should have done, which is put Penn State in, and then now Ohio State's in danger of not making it. But it's like, as it turned out, it had zero effect on them. Yeah. So it's like, they part. lost. It's more fun to win than it is to lose. But it's like, they denied us the blood, nothing. As opposed to, and I was trying to draw some comparisons and asking players on Tuesday night, to the 2013 loss to Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship game, and then them going in 2014 to Michigan State and playing very well, the mythical Michigan State game, uh, that JT Barrett played there, the game we always think is the best game he's ever played. Um, there was a lot of revenge on that because, mm-hmm. but that game, Michigan State knocked Ohio State out of the national championship game. Right, they would have played Florida State for the national title, and they didn't. So that was like a huge deal, and they really like you ruined our season. Now we're going to go get you. That part of this revenge, at least, is not on the table. I agree. Mm-hmm. Zach Guggenheim. Guggenheims is his Twitter handle. It's a two-part question. Who's the player that you expect to surprise in this game? Mm. We did our like key players during the bye week last week when I said Sam Hubbard, uh, Tim said Jerome Baker, and you, Bill, said Isaiah Prince, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think we're not talking that because those aren't surprise guys. Um who are potential surprises for this game, Tim? You go. I'll go with this one, and I'm gonna. And it's not just because he he modeled the alternate uniforms, <laughs> Rashad Berry, and I say that because he had a great game last last time out against Nebraska, and it wasn't just because he was a receiver. He had some good blocks out there. He helped spring J.K. Dobbins on that game opening fifty some yard touchdown run. And Urban has shown in his time that when you block, you play more as a receiver or a tight end. And Barry is a guy that could be a matchup problem. He, I'm not saying he's going to be as big a matchup problem as Mike Kosicki is on the outside. I'm not going to compare those two by any stretch. But from an athletic profile alone, there's nobody that there. There's few players in the country that can match exactly what Rashad Barry does as an athlete. I think if Ohio State's going to go to the tight end. That could be a, a player that could sneak up and catch a touchdown in the red zone that maybe Penn State's not expecting. I think that outside of <clears throat> the right side of the offensive line, which is a little hard to gauge in terms of being surprising, there's really only two players who I even think have the potential to surprise you, and they are Damon Arnett and Kendall Sheffield. Like a Jerome Baker makes a crazy play. That's just Jerome Baker playing the way you thought he'd play all year. And that, and like that same for Denzel Ward, no one on the defensive line is going to surprise you. We know they're all awesome. Maybe like a Chris Worley or a Dante Booker, but I like the players with the most to prove are Sheffield and Arnett. And I think that Penn State is going to throw at Sheffield a lot. And they're going to test that because he's the weak link in the secondary. There's no like that's obvious. They're going to throw at him a lot and throw at him early and see how good he is and see if he can finally live up to being a five star. I think he can surprise and maybe do it. So we always do our five reasons on Fridays, five reasons Ohio State wins. Here's the thing. We used to do five reasons Ohio State's going to win, five reasons the opponent is going to win. It's just a way to talk about the game. 
but it was like presenting a case. And then every now and then people would only see one and not the other, and they'd get mad at us, and they'd be like, oh, you said Rutgers was going to win. And like, we get that, but what the headline says, five reasons Rutgers is going to win. And uh, we've backed off that. We no longer call it reasons the opponent's going to win. We say like reasons Ohio State should worry, although I'm sure this week we're going to call it five reasons Penn State's going to yeah. win because either team could win. We like to we split that up. Bill and I decide who's going to do what. We go back and forth. We like to sort of map out during the week. What do you think you're going to put in there? We like to put some juicy stuff in there. It used to get really well read. They haven't getting they don't get read as much. I think as it'll hit this do. week. I think it's going to hit this you week. You guys really should read it. It's one of the better pieces of the week. It's the footballiest thing we write. Yeah. You have said that you were going to focus on the Ohio State secondary mm-hmm. and the reasons Penn State will win, and you went to talk to Greg Schiano on Tuesday night. Um, and I'm leading up to the guy that I'm going to say because he's part of this conversation. I'm trying to get a vibe on what Shiano said because I wasn't at Shiano. Fuller? Yeah. What uh, did Shiano say about the secondary? Uh, like nothing nothing really revelatory. He was just like – I said like what makes you confident? And he said, well, I just always have confidence in our players. And maybe it was a bad way to ask the question. Um, but I didn't get any vibe of concern from him whatsoever. I asked Terry McLaurin. I thought he'd be a good person to ask, having gone against the cornerbacks. And, and frankly, the last few weeks, the best test Ohio State secondary has received is from its own receivers in practice. Um, and he says he sees a little something different in those guys and that that group as a whole is eager to prove that they are as good as we thought they were going to be coming into this year. Um, I asked Shiano specifically about Fuller, and I said, is Fuller going to play uh, nickel slot corner? And his answer was, he can, and that's my way of evading your question. So that's a yes, that Jordan Fuller is going to be playing slot corner. So this is why I think Jordan Fuller is my surprise guy. I think this is potentially a good-to-great game for Jordan Fuller. We see Jordan Fuller coming. Jordan Fuller is on one of those paths that Ohio State players get on sometimes, which is you're a big-time recruit. As a, as a young guy, you have to wait your turn. We see this, the spot opening for you. We assume you win the job. You win the job. You start off and you're fine. You're just kind of a guy who's out there. You're not really making plays, but you're not you're not a minus. You're not giving up a million things. And then you start to figure it out a little bit. Then you start to make some plays. Then we start to realize how smart you really are and how athletic you really are. And I feel like we've been seeing it with Jordan Fuller. And I think a game like this against a team that can throw it, has multiple receivers, has a good quarterback, can throw it deep, will throw it deep. I feel like we, we've talked about this, but I feel like I agree that makes sense that Fuller's going to be matched up and covered some more. He's not Malik Cooker. Nobody's ever going to be Malik Cooker. But I think we might see the unveiling of Jordan Fuller playmaking safety, playmaking safety corner hybrid slot guy on Saturday night, and he could be the kind of guy who helped turn the game. I buy that, um, and I think it's very possible, too. But there's one thing that scares me about that scenario, and uh, I don't want this to sound like too much of a dig because I think we all like Eric Smith and hope that he's able to finish his career on a strong note after he's had some struggles. He's not been a great tackler in the open field this year, and Fuller in the slot to me means that you're going to see Smith at safety, and Smith at safety in a game where Saquon Barkley is on the other side scares me a little bit. Can I say a weird thing that I just noticed in practice today? I don't know what it means. Okuda's 29, right? Mm-hmm. He was wearing one today. Back to one. 
he's kind of been like back. He's been back and forth a little bit from number one to number yeah, twenty-nine. I don't know what that's yeah. about. And we always thought. I mean, a lot of times, sometimes they play mind games with the numbers. Sometimes it's just special team stuff. Johnny Dixon is also number one, so maybe there's a reason they thought maybe Dixon and Okuda would be on special teams together at some point. He was wearing one today in practice. I don't know what that means. That's my secret. Could Jeffrey Okuda be the X Factor against Penn State? I don't think so. Like they waited seven games and they're going to finally spring Jeffrey Okuda on the world? Dun, dun, dun. I mean, we thought it was going to happen against Nebraska and it didn't. And we were wrong. Um, Christian Campbell is one of the starting cornerbacks for Penn State. Where's number one? Oh, yeah. Um, do you have any more, Bill? More questions? Yeah. I got a bunch. All right. Let me do one more from. Uh, Twitter handle is Adea. Eddie Vulik, who has a little rainbow icon. We know Eddie. Which do you think Ohio State's defense will try to shut down first, Barkley or McSorley? Barkley. Barkley. McSorley. Really? I think you're okay with Barkley being Barkley. I think what kills you and makes you lose the game is is big plays down the field. I think you – I think you – I mean, nobody wants to give up 60-yard runs to Saquon Barkley, but I really don't want to give up 60-yard passes. And I really don't want to key so hard on Barkley that McSorley keeps it on a read, pops through a hole, and is gone for 30 yards. Barkley is who Barkley is. Like we said, in, 19, in 2015, he ran for 192 yards, and Ohio State won. And I know Penn State as a team is better than they were then. Yeah, maybe we, I have it wrong. I don't know. We, we had this discussion on Monday. I said, yeah. can Barkley go crazy and Ohio State still win? I think yes. And I think you guys were less certain about that. So what's taking away McSorley look like? Like spying Not, him? Spying playing him? Playing some coverage yes. that keeps it in front of you? Like, like, yep. forcing okay. him, like forcing him to be one-dimensional. Like the And whatever the idea is of like put guys in the box to take away the run, I'm not putting guys in the box. I'm keeping safeties back to help on the deep ball. And I am whatever whatever I think spying is I don't know if that's the right word and it's not exactly just having someone follow him around. But don't let him scramble. Cause those are the killers too. I mean, it's the same stuff we've seen JT do to opposition the opposition for four years. Is just when you think you have something figured out, and we still I will go to my grave and my with my lack of football understanding, unable to figure out why teams let Ohio State go empty on third and seven and then run a quarterback draw, and it is open every time. And I know there's some reads in there for JT. He might he can throw it. If he doesn't see it, he can run it, and he makes a good read there. Make the man throw it, especially the way he was throwing it. Last. Make him throw the ball. Do not let JT Barrett run on third and seven on a quarterback draw when they go to an empty backfield. That, I would not want Trace McSorley. Now, they don't do that exactly, but that. In the quarterback read game and in quarterback scrambles, don't let yourself play good defense and then let Trace McSorley break free and go on a broken play. I would have someone shadowing him to some degree to make that less likely, and I would prioritize that over making sure you have a second tackler on Barkley. I don't know. Maybe I think you're swinging me a little bit. I buy that. Yeah, I can understand that concept. I mean – Plus, if you're keying on a McSorley run, you you hope that he gets impatient, and an impatience makes a stupid mistake. Mm-hmm. For whereas overthrowing a guy way which too early, he will do, and Damon Webb is waiting in the end zone, just playing, just playing basically putt return. The guy almost threw. Tell me if either of you have seen this, and I don't know if you saw this in the game early in the game. Like Michigan got its interception that 
sort of changed the tide of that game early and kept it from going up, Penn State from going up 21 nothing. And then on the next drive, McSorley was in his own end zone and almost threw an interception from his end zone that was nearly picked off by a defender yes. in the end zone. Right. It, and I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback throw an interception in his, in his own end zone. Not from his own end zone, in his own end zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The closest yeah. I've ever seen was, I think it was the Texas-Oklahoma game where an Oklahoma, like a Texas pass to the goal line got tipped and an Oklahoma player just took it like two yards for the touchdown. It was unbelievable that I couldn't, I, I blew my mind that he even tried to throw the ball. Which leads me to believe that if you if you mess with him the right way, you can goad him, goad him into doing some super stuff. And if, and if you get Penn State behind, say, this probably won't happen, say you get Penn State behind 21-3 early in the second quarter, if McSorley tries to play hero ball, then you could turn that thing into a blowout pretty quickly. Yeah. Eddie asked, second part of that question, if you're Penn State's defense, do you key on JK or JT? Mm. Oh, um, I would key on JK because I want to see – if JT can actually throw against the best defense he's played since Oklahoma. Keying on JK doesn't mean that JT is going to throw, though. It means he can run, too. And I think he's been running the ball really well. He seems a little quicker to me the last few weeks, mm. running with a little more of a purpose, I think. I think you got to key on JT. There have been times, I think... I think he's, he's pushing the agenda right now offensively. Right. <coughs> Sorry, I think when... I believe it was at least Rutgers more than any other game was JT's probably one of his better running games because they kept crashing on Dobbins and Weber in the zone read, and JT just took off, took off. It shows he can run the zone read extremely well. You just have to be patient. If you're Penn State, make him hand the ball off every time. Don't crash down. Just sit back and dare the running backs to beat you because the last thing you want is like oh, I said Ohio State should do with McSorley. You want to make JT as one-dimensional as possible. JJ in Central Ohio, since we haven't talked about this yet, we need to get to it. This is a tremendous Twitter, Twitter handle. Clevelumbus. Ooh. C-L-E-V-E-L-U-M-B-U-S. That's who actually discovered America. Is he one of the guys who's making the Hyperloop from Cleveland, Columbus? Yeah. Get you, here, get you there and back in five minutes? Clevelumbus. Clevelumbus. Are we sure it's not Clevelumbus? <laughs> Chubbawamba. No, we're not sure. He should put a pronunciation with that. Optimal length for the midweek Buckeye talk. A, 15 to 30 minutes. B, 30 to 45. No option C or D. I don't know if JJ is trying to tell us that we go too long because his only options are 15 to 30 or 30 to 45, and there's no option C or D. But if that's the case, he has stopped listening because we are at minute 57. 57. If, you're on, if you're still on the line, brother, let me tell you something. You're in the minority. <laughs> Someone said we should go four hours. I don't want to do that, but I would do it. If we're going longer than Ken Burns' documentaries, I think some people will stop listening because not everybody's making four-hour commutes on a weekly basis. I saw Ken Burns speak at a commencement ceremony one time. Was it your commencement? No, I had Wolf Blitzer. Really? Yeah, he was super weird. I think I've said that before on here. Um, do you think there's someone out there who's like, hey, you guys want to go see a movie tonight? Someone's like, you know what? Do you want to just sit around and listen to Buckeye talk? Yeah. A good solid two hours yeah. of fun? It's as long as Braveheart. <laughs> <laughs> we did two hours last week. Did we get any complaints? No, I thought we would. I, th- I was ready for the hate mail. All right. And it got listened to just as much as it normally does. Yeah, we could so, probably go like three hours. What was that guy's right? name again? Cleve Lumbus? Sorry, Cleve Lumbus. Sorry, bro. We could be the commentary track for a Titanic movie. 
Here's what you do. Listen to 20, to, listen to 20 on Wednesday, 20 on Thursday, 20 on Friday, 20 on Saturday, and then the other hour next week. Yeah. And then because the other hour is probably food talk. <laughs> they're playing, oh, they're playing Michigan State this week. Yeah. I'm on the Rutgers week of the podcast. <laughs> Don't tell me what happens. Tim just talked about bo- boneless wings again. We actually have a boneless wing question in here. Uh, we'll get to the food soon. I can't, I thought I had an arm punt question and yeah, I can't it from, find it. It was now. from Doug DeLillo. I got it. All right. Bring the arm punt talk. Doug DeLillo. Oh, you know what? I might not have. Oh, here it is. Does McSorley throw a nice <laughs> deep ball, or is he the arm punt artist? That's a great description. OSU fans want to pretend he is. Evaluate his passing ability. Um, he's like kind of both. Is it possible to have an accurate arm punt? Because I think he has an accurate arm punt. Yeah, I think it's a good if description. You, if you have athletic receivers, arm punts look fantastic. Cause if you expect guys like DeAndre Tompkins and Mike Kosicki to go up and win 50-50 ball after 50-50 ball, if you do that, you just arm punt it in the right spot. You can have arm punt with good trajectory. Arm punt does not necessarily mean you just throw up a duck 60 yards in the air and has about five-second hang time. But his does. Like, he's not ripping the ball down the, down the field. No. But there's a lot of air under that thing. I told you, I, I, I went, my daughter and I went to the Penn State Wisconsin Big Ten Championship last year just uh-huh. for the heck of it because she likes college football. That second half comeback, I was sitting in the upper deck of Lucas Oil Stadium. They were just beautiful rainbows. Yeah. And, and the thing that always, it's like I was jealous of anybody that threw a deep ball last year <laughs> because it was like the team I cover doesn't throw those. I would have been – were Ohio State fans not begging for JT Barrett arm punts last year? I mean, we talk about 50-50 balls all the time. That's why I talk about 50-50 balls mm-hmm. because I saw Trace McSorley throw arm punts and his six foot six tight end just jumped on top of people and made catches. And it was like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, that, do that. <laughs> so basically it was like seeing a double rainbow. Yeah, and there was a leprechaun at the end of it. And the pot of gold should have included a ticket to the college football playoff, but Penn State got screwed out of that. So anyway. <laughs> and, then, and then the Penn State guys are like, what does this mean? I don't know what it means. All I'm saying is do it. So I, I am not going to criticize Trace McSorley on the deep ball because the two best things he does are, A, throw it, do it. You can't complete them if you don't try them. And, B, give his guys a chance. He has guys who can go up and get it who don't need a perfect ball dropping on their hands. Yep. So uh, arm punt, whatever he said, artistic arm punt guy, yes. I'm an, Arm I, punt artist. Arm punt artist. That's the name of my memoir. Um, I got more questions unless you have more. I, I wanted to get this this one because I thought it was a good topic to talk about real quick, and, and I know you hit it hard, Bill, after Oklahoma. Jordan Steele, our crow producer, at the Jordan Steele. If the linebackers play lights-out defense on Saturday, does Ohio State walk away with the win for sure? And I know you wrote a lot about how they played so poorly against Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Uh, yeah, I think they're I'm, – I'm going back and forth on which group I think it, sort of shoulders more of the low, the linebackers, or the secondary. And I think because – the way Michigan played defense, isolated linebackers on Saquon, Saquon Barkley, which I don't think is necessarily bad – but Michigan doesn't have the linebackers that Ohio State does. Poor Mike McCray was chasing Saquon Barkley all night. He's just not fast enough to do it. Jerome Baker is. I think maybe Dante Booker might be too. Um, 
So I think they can play in coverage against Barkley, maybe a little bit against uh, Gesicki, but I wouldn't want that if I was Ohio State. Um, but if they, yeah, if they lights out, this is a description, if they play lights out, I think it's going to be really tough for Penn State to do a lot of the things it's done this year moving the ball. Yeah, Doug, you said it. If, Ohio, if both teams play while Ohio State wins, if both teams play average, Ohio State wins. I think if the linebackers are great, I, it could be multiple possessions at least for Ohio State. Because, I mean, I talked about it over the weekend. Linebackers being great means they control Saquon Barkley, they control Mike Kosicki, they limit big plays from Trace McSorley on the run. That Those are three big components. I'm not expecting them to get all three because, let's face it, nobody's going to do all three. If you can do two of the three, you'll have done a great job. I got a good, like, Jerome Baker vibe on Tuesday night. Really? Just like, I asked him, I said, how do you cover a six foot eight tight end who is a volleyball player and jumps like one? He's like, yeah, it's hard. And then I said, how high can you jump? And he said, however high the ball is. And I was like, all right, man, you got it. <laughs> is this, did we, we had an injury update post on Monday night. It was based off some things uh, that Urban Meyer said on Monday and that Greg Schiano said last week about Chris Worley. Was there any Worley update Tuesday night? I did not get one. He was uh, Shiano was not asked. Um, we saw Worley after practice. Yeah. You asked him. I yeah. said, "How's your foot?" He said, "Great." So still attached. So Chris Worley, Greg Shiano said last week that they had played Worley uh, basically in basically only in the nickel defense. Um, against Nebraska to sort of ease him back. It's a foot injury. You have to be careful with it. It's easy to re-aggravate it. They're clearly being careful with it. Um, this, to me, feels like a Whirly game, not a tough Borland game. Mm-hmm. No offense to tough Borland. Um, to me, this is the kind of game where it's going to make a difference for Chris Rooley to be out there at middle linebacker. We'll ask Urban Meyer again on Wednesday. My vibe on what Shiano said during the bye week was they were being careful, and the reason you're careful for a month with this guy is because you want him for Penn State. So my anticipation is that Worley will play, but I've been watching him in warm-ups for three weeks and tweeting things like, Chris Worley's warming up, looks good, doesn't play. Chris Worley's warming up, looks good, doesn't play. Chris Worley's warming up, looks good, plays five snaps. So I'm out on being right on Chris (laughs) Worley, Um, but he did do an interview this week with the TV show. He was smiling. He wasn't limping. But to me, he's one of the guys that's going to help you contain Trace McSorley and chase down Saquon Barkley because, really, he's an outside linebacker playing middle linebacker. This is not a get-killed-up-the-middle. Tough Borland's game was Army. And he played well. Chris Worley's game is Penn State. Mm -hmm. So I think it matters whether he plays or not. Otherwise, I think we might see a lot of Malik Harrison. Ooh. That'd be interesting. So my other guy that I almost said for surprise guy on this game is Dante Booker. I think we might see. I mean, it, it, we maybe were supposed it, to get him today. He didn't come out. It's because he's focused. Yeah, he's locked in. Book don't lie. Um, like again, Dante Booker. Like Dante Booker. Like rough start to the year. Has been playing better lately. Graden as a champion. Tim wrote about that one of the weeks. I mean, he's clearly feeling better about it. They're feeling better about him. And maybe like Dante Booker goes from good to playmaker in a game like this. What else you got, Landis? From VA Buckeye. For the last month, we've been hearing about a possible two running back set with Dobbins and Weber. Could this be the week we finally see it? I'm on the record uh, as saying I think that that's a unicorn. So if you guys disagree with me, you can say whether or not you think that's going to happen. I think this is a game where I, I call it it's a win or go home. You, you dump all the cards on the table. 
if the, if the game's tight, everything's on the table. I think if the only times you're going to see it, blowout win against an inferior opponent, great opponent. You're not going to see it against a mediocre team that you're going to beat by 30. If they're going to, I w- it wouldn't shock me if first play from scrimmage, it's Barrett in the shotgun with Weber on his right hip, Dobbins on his left hip. Play number one. What if they're on the opposite hips? Okay, well, hips don't matter in this case. Hips don't lie. Hips. <laughs> Thank you, Shakira. You can follow Tim Bielek on Twitter at hips don't lie. <laughs> I've already changed my Twitter handle once. I don't know if Twitter will let me change it multiple times if I'm trying to get verified. The one thing about this, we were we did a video a couple weeks ago, but like, how many times do you think they'll have them in the backfield together? It's like I don't know, twenty. Yeah. And we were all wrong on that. Um, We've mentioned it several times on this podcast, several times this year. The play last year where they had Mike Weber as a lead blocker for Curtis Samuel. They didn't run that. They didn't have them in the backfield together 50 times that game. No. I think they might have like a thing. I think a thing is possible. Like, oh, here's a look we haven't seen. What's happening? What is it? Oh, Mike Weber is a lead blocker. There goes J.K. Dobbins. I think that's on the table for a play or two. There was something this week where someone had indicated that Joe Moorhead wanted to run a play against Michigan last week, and mm-hmm. James Franklin wouldn't let him run it because he was trying to save it for Ohio State. That stuff is way overblown. We're all still waiting for Braxton Miller to throw a pass, and it's three years removed from 2015. He that was for a pass. I love the, the anticipation of Braxton throwing a pass. I felt like for outrageous predictions, there was probably nine times that year where the outrageous prediction was, Braxton Miller throws a pass. Yeah. Low-hanging fruit, man. So Just like the, just like the annual JT Barrett jump pass. You've used it up already. <laughs> so I, like, I think that, that's possible, not as a go-to formation, but as a wrinkle here, a wrinkle there. Um, it's not a trick play, but it's just, you know, I think the ship has sailed, I agree. It has sailed on it as a normal part of the offense, but I think maybe we could see it for a play or two. And I, I think Nebraska, we did see what I think could be variants that they could work in that because they had a tight end in the backfield with J.K. Dobbins on time, in certain situations. I could see a situation where you could run a counter and you have Barry and Weber on opposite sides and they kind of, the flow leads one way and Dobbins just goes right behind those guys through a hole. And definitely, I mean, they're working that tight end in. as That's a, that's more of a staple of the Kevin Wilson offense. But that's part of what they're talking about is you develop some staples, you do some things, and then you you play off of those things that are working. And so, yeah, you've started working the tight end in as a lead blocker, and now what do you do? Now you offer a wrinkle and it's something like that. I think that's on the table for sure. This isn't a question. I had a thought about this this morning. Do we see the tunnel screen? This week, because of Penn State's aggression, I remember. I, I think it was the Maryland game. They Ferris were back Campbell. up inside the five. They ran the most beautifully executed tunnel screen, like something you would see out of a video game. I they wonder, ran it twice in that game, and it worked. First time it worked great. Second time it got completely blown up. I wonder if they go try some throwback screens or something different to try and get Penn State a little off balance, get that pass rush going, working against it the same way a lot of teams do to Ohio State. Joe Moore has going to get weird, uh, weather permitting. I think. And Ohio State might have to get a little weird too, which means uh, Dwayne Haskins is going to throw a touchdown to JT Barrett. Um, JT Barrett throws a touchdown to Dwayne Haskins. The the, uh, the uh, possibilities are limitless. <laughs> Here's a question from Al Holtzlander: Do you think we'll see Sam Hubbard dropping back more this week to deal with matchup issues, especially against the tight end? Say it again. Do we think we'll see Sam Hubbard dropping back more this oh. week in the coverage to deal with matchup issues, especially against the tight end? S- Sam Hubbard likes to do that. Um, no. 
I'm waiting for the I'm waiting for Sam Hubbard pick. Like, and I know that like Sam Hubbard, they're lining him up as a linebacker on third down on some of these things and dropping him in coverage. And I've talked to him about that, and he thinks he'll do that in the NFL, and he's very good at that. Um, but like a but pick, that's you, but, like you're waiting for it this week. A pick, you mean? I'm waiting for like the Steve Miller pick. I think that's what he's talking about. I think that's what he's that's asking. Yeah, so yeah. So that's see. not, but that's like a zone blitz defensive lineman drop. Sam Hubbard is dropping in coverage every now and then, basically because he's playing linebacker. But I also think he is your most athletic defensive end in that way. And if I wanted to, if we talked about like getting Trace McSorley's head, a little bit of that, where's pressure coming from? Where's this? Where's that? And all of a sudden, Sam Hubbard, Sam Hubbard, when he's dropped, I've seen him drop standing up. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for Sam Hubbard to drop from a three point stance. Yeah. And then he's Steve. I think that's what he's talking about. So McSorley had a throw against Michigan. Where he faked the handoff and he was reading the outside linebacker, and the fake handoff pulled the linebacker out of the throwing lane, and then he hit Deshaun Hamilton on a slant, and that's the kind of play where he's reading the linebacker. In my mind, he's reading the linebacker, and then he doesn't see Sam Hubbard take three steps back and drop into the throwing lane, and then that ball hits Sam Hubbard in the chest and doesn't hit Deshaun Hamilton in the hands. And when you're saying the Steve Miller play, I think anybody that doesn't remember what that is, defensive end or defensive tackle drops back, and the linebackers right behind flood into the zone to create some mixes and stunts. And all of a sudden, McSorley thinks he's quarterback thinks he's got a short pass. Picked off. And by the way, I believe 20, 2011 Sugar Bowl against Arkansas, that was the Solomon Thomas pick that ended that the, the game. Solomon Thomas pick, yeah. So. It's worked before. And Sam Hubbard's better than those two guys. I wonder if, <laughs> I wonder if that's still in the Ohio State staple, even though Luke Fickle's not there anymore. Yeah, Luke Fickle was a lot of that. That was a lot of Luke Fickle, I think. Some of that zone blitz stuff and dropping some uh, – dropping some – Ends at key times, but uh, Greg Shiano's pretty good at this too. So yep. I think Shiano's been really good. Like I, I, we talk a lot about Urban Meyer's hires. Uh, I still have questions about Billy Davis. Um, I think Kevin Wilson this year, Ryan Day this year, Greg Shiano last year. Those are like impact hires that keep a program rolling. And I think they hit a rough spot, Tim Beck, with some of the hires. Uh, and they bounce back pretty well from a lot of them. So three out of four is a pretty good free throw percentage. It is. I have one more football question, and then we can get into some food stuff. Then hour thirteen almost. My mom wants us to get to food stuff. She likes when we talk about food. We'll get there soon. <laughs> uh, visual ambassador. I don't think you asked this one, Doug. Which number will be greater: the number of touchdowns thrown by JT or the number of sacks against McSorley? Ooh, that's interesting. Is he like running prop bets out of his house or what? He might be. I how, think do I put, so. how do I put yeah. something He's, on this? He may be one of those Vegas insiders. I think sacks. What's your number on sacks? Four? Four. I think your over-under on JT touchdown passes is three and a half. Assuming it's not a hurricane. Not, yeah. yeah. Assuming somewhat normal conditions, I'd set the JT touchdown number at three and a half. So... Uh, if you're going four sacks, I'd go over. I definitely, I think TDs are. I, I'll take touchdowns. I'll take touchdowns. Hmm. I think I think sacks because I think Ohio State can get five. I mean, I'm assuming we're only counting sacks in situations that aren't designed run plays where it's only drop behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, that's not a sack, right? Well, and clarifying, of course, but obviously scrambles to throw. You know. He's going to run a lot more than your average quarterback, which I think f- could free him more opportunities for sacks. So I will say more because I think Ohio State could get at least five. 
I don't know how many sacks. I feel like they'll harass McSorley. I don't know how many sacks they'll get. I mean, I feel like there's going to be plays where it's like, he's under pressure and he can't do anything and he barely gets a throw. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He's so mobile. I know he's susceptible to it sometimes, but I think he'll also – he's going to be very aware of it. I mean, they're they're working all week. I'm like, you can't be taking negative plays. You've got to get rid of the ball when Nick Bosa's in your face. Right. So um, I don't know if the sack numbers will be huge, but I do anticipate the defensive line harasses Trace McSorley will be a key part of the game. I agree. Food. Can we do food? Can we get to your Tim Hortons thing? Because yeah. I uh, have sentimental feelings about Tim Hortons, and I'm afraid you're going to make me angry. Okay, so Tim Hortons is moving to Northeast Ohio. It's a staple of Columbus. It's a staple of Canada. And then, like, Wendy's. There was something where, like, Wendy's bought Tim Hortons, and Wendy's is based out of Columbus, and yeah. that's why there are so many here, I think. I mean, there's a we could walk we could walk to a Tim Hortons right now, and I know there are people in Cleveland who like live and die for Tim Hortons, and I could walk to a Tim Hortons from my house, and I don't care. Tim Hortons, Tim Hortons is coming to Northeast Ohio. What are your thoughts on Tim Hortons? Four options in this poll. Final results are in. Seven hundred and twelve votes. What's the big deal about Tim Hortons? Wins the poll with thirty seven percent. Love it. It's awesome. Finishes second at 24%. It's good. Is third at 21%. And never been to one comes in at 18%. So 45%, nearly half, either love it or say it's good. But 37% say, what's the big deal? Where would you have voted in that? I would have voted, what's the big deal? I would have voted love it. And I wonder, of those 37%, how many didn't want to put in, I've never been to one? That was a choice. Well, they could have never been to one as 18. You think people are afraid to be honest? Afraid to be honest in a Twitter poll? You said it's scientific, it's so Tim. Scientific. I, earlier I said, in this podcast, Tim Bielek said, Twitter is science. Go back and rewind it. I said, Twitter semi- is science. But I also. It's a direct quote from Tim Bielek. No, I said semi scientific. I don't know. It says semi scientific. Rewind it right now. Tim, you're on the record. We can rewind it right now. Right now, it's live. Right now, it's on the tapes there forever. Tim would vote love it. I said, "What's the big deal? What's your vote, Landis?" I would vote love it. Can I tell my Tim Horton story real quick? Am I going to cry? Are we going going into Smarty Smith territory here? (laughs) Not even close. (laughs) It's just so I am a big coffee drinker now, but I wasn't for. uh, Well, let's see. I was like 23. When I first had coffee, I'm 28 now, and the first time I ever had coffee, like a a sip of coffee of any kind, was at a Tim Hortons in Toronto, and it opened my eyes to the world of coffee. I fell in love with it instantly. It was a beautiful Toronto morning, sat outside, uh, had some Timbits and a cup of black coffee. And my life changed forever. I am envisioning this right now. Was this was a CN Tower with an eye shot? I don't remember. Probably. Did an annoying person come up and try to speak French to you five seconds later? Oh, it was Toronto, not Quebec. Did uh, And then did you think, wow, I am having the quintessential Canadian experience. And then yeah. someone said, there are 38 Tim Hortons in Columbus. Well, I knew that Tim Hortons was here because I was living. No, at least I wasn't living here. I was living in Cleveland. Um, so, yeah. No, I didn't know that they were here in Columbus. And then I moved down here and I could throw a rock and hit four of them. And it was great. Okay. So let me ask. But I also don't think like. I don't, I, I don't, it has a very sentimental, holds a very sentimental place for me, but I also don't think that Tim Hortons is like the greatest thing that ever happened to planet Earth. Like, it's just like an average 
donut and coffee place. So I, I followed up. I had the Tim Hortons follow up on Twitter. If you love it, what what do you love? Is it the coffee? Is it the donuts? What's the best thing? Forty seven responses to that. Coffee, Timbits, coffee and Timbits. It's open twenty four hours. Mm. Maple glazed donuts, breakfast sandwich, coffee, iced cappuccino, coffee, Timbits. Nothing. It's more overrated than Oregon's football program <laughs> at Nikki Unders with the Allen Iverson avatar. <laughs> Love it. Nikki Unders. His 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 uh, where he is is in line at Chipotle. That's that's a not pre- in line at Tim Hortons. That's a pretty savage response. Sour cream Timbits, iced cappuccino and vanilla cream donuts. Mm. Soup and sandwiches. Um, a double double coffee, Boston cream donut. Uh, so here's the deal. The freaking coffee is awesome. I, I I think that I don't like the coffee that much. I would rather have McDonald's coffee than Tim Hortons coffee. Same. But the name. Okay. Of, but what comes up? Did they have McDonald's in Toronto where you could have had a life changing experience? Uh, no. Yeah, but the thing is, like, I thought I was like I like I said I didn't live in Columbus yet, so I thought like I was like, oh man, I'm never going to be in a Tim Hortons again in my life. And then I moved to Columbus like four months later. But we all know it is named for like a, a, a Canadian hockey, hockey player. player. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so here's so a I think the coffee is fine. I know there are people who like buy coffee by the boatload when they're in Columbus and take it back to Cleveland. The second thing is the donut selection is limited. Compared to Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts donuts are awful. Hot take. They're not good. Why are they awful? They just they don't taste good. I agree they have more of a selection, but they don't taste good. I disagree with that. I often uh, find them stale. No. Yeah. Out on that. Not no. A, no the, the filled donuts, whether they be filled with cream or jelly, don't have enough filling in them. And I think the Tim Hortons don't either, but they have more than Dunkin' Donuts. I think Tim Bits are better than Munchkins. Okay, I think but Dunkin' Donuts coffee is who great. invented them? Did t- Tim Bits and Munchkins are the same thing? Yeah. Who invented it? Who's the thief and who's the uh, the 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 inventor here? I'm just assuming because one was founded in Canada that they are the originators and that someone <laughs> in America stole it. I like Dunkin' Donuts better. I like the Dunkin' Donuts coffee better, and I like Dunkin' Donuts donuts better. My the closest Tim Hortons to my house is walking distance. The closest Dunkin' Donuts is like fourteen miles away. Not enough Dunkin' yeah. Donuts in Central. And Iowa. I would go. I go when I drive past that Dunkin' Donuts. I get excited and go out of my way. I do not care. I get a bagel at Tim Hortons sometimes. I just I'm a little confused. As you said, it is basically a coffee and donut shop. I don't know what has elevated it in the minds of so many people to be like Tim Hortons is coming. Tim Hortons is coming. It's just yeah. different. It's the, different from what? It's not different from Dunkin' Donuts, except that it's worse. It's the shiny new toy theory. I will say I yeah. love I love both Dunkin' Tim Hortons. Which for, one do you love more? Pick one. You're putting me on the spot here because I know that's the point. <laughs> While you think I'm going to keep reading things, right. Tim Bits are good. Regular donuts are trash. They're yeah. coffee, large cream and sugar coffee. Tim Bits, Boston cream donut, coffee all day. Breakfast sandwiches are good too. Dude, the soup. Come on, get with it, Dougie. The soup at Tim Hortons? I'm not, I don't, I'm I don't not aware to, of that. I don't go to Tim Hortons for lunch. Out of here with your I soup. love that they consider a donut a side item with their breakfast combos, just a toss in. Yeah. It's like you get a breakfast sandwich. Like, you want a side donut? Like, do you know, do I want another breakfast? Sure. <laughs> I, that might push over the top for me the idea that you can have donut as the main course and the side dish. And they keep talking Timbits. I mean, Timbits are just. Timbits are tremendous. I mean, they are. I'm not going to dunk, like 
There's like Munchkins and Dunkin' Donuts. Like if you They're gave not me good, man. if you gave me ten guesses of what it was called at Dunkin's, I would not get it. Oh, like when, growing up, I wouldn't call them Dunkers or anything. Why not call them growing Dunkers up, or anything? I don't know what it was like for you guys, but growing up when I was in grade school, like if it was your birthday, you bought in. 50 a box of 50 munchkins and like handed them out to your classmates and like yeah. celebrated your yeah. birthday. Okay, can, can I can do a side? Can I do a side tangent? Sure. sure. On the donut, on the on the munchkins or Timbits conversation. Yes. I think the Timbits often a, a common size is the 20 pack. Mm-hmm. If you order Timbits, if you would order a 20 pack, do you just say like Give me a 20-pack, I don't care what, or do you specify what kinds of donuts you want in the pack? I want six of this, six of this, seven of this, two of these. Oh, I'm specific. I do both. Sometimes, I, you know me, I like the mystery flavor dum-dum. Sometimes I just like to live on the edge a little bit and say, give me a 10-pack. Let's play roulette and see what comes out. Yeah, I, and then sometimes I'll say, give me 10 chocolate glaze. It, it all depends on the day, and you have those options. I like how they have three different glaze type of donuts you can pick from. They have regular glaze, I think they have honey glaze, and they have maple glaze. Yeah, maple glaze. That's Canadian. Mm. I'm down with that. By the way, the greatest flaw in your personality is your food roulette. <laughs> the way you allow the universe to make your food choices boggles my mind. Spice of life. I would rather run over my foot with my car than let... Tim Hortons choose my Timbit flavors. Does that does that mean he, or let someone let the universe choose my Dum Dum flavor? Throwback. Here's the thing about the mystery Dum Dum: you can look at it and know what you're getting. You yeah. can see through the wrapper. Throwback. It's <laughs> not that much of a mystery. Throwback Wednesday. Does that make you the guy who would pull over one mile from McFlurry or go ten mi- or go another nine miles for the blizzard? I said blizzard. I don't remember. I don't remember what you said. Yeah, blizzards are way better. And what I'll say in Tim Hortons: the last time I went there. Whoever did, whoever had the idea to put Oreo cream inside a donut, I want to meet that guy's hand and I want to give him meet a, meet, want to meet that guy and give him a big handshake because that's the best idea I've heard in a long time. They had a uh, Reese's or Reese's, however you say it in this part of the country, uh, donut that was really good. Too rich. I had a, I think I had it in an airport. Like peanut too butter rich. filled with the peanut butter cups on top. It is too very, rich. It's very rich. Too rich. Yeah, it's very rich. There, unfortunately, is such a thing as too rich sometimes. I wish I was too rich. So I just don't. There was um, there was a podcast I listened to. I can't remember what it was called, and it was a real life thing about uh, a woman who had been murdered, and they were pretty sure that her boyfriend did it, but they could never prove it. Was that Buckeye talk when Ari was still on? Yeah, <laughs> we should have done that. We should have made it a murder mystery. Like, why isn't Ari on the podcast anymore? Is he murdered or is he somewhere else? Although, if we did that, I'm sure it'd be more American Vandal than making a murderer. That's the thing where they draw the wieners on the cars? Yes. I, I want to watch I, that. I finished it on Hey, Monday. speaking of wieners, can I give a shout-out to somebody? Yeah. <laughs> uh, shout-out to David Cross, loyal listener, who has his own podcast called Award Wieners, where they talk about Oscar-winning movies and hot dogs. It's a tremendous concept. I feel like you should be a guest on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love, love to jump on that podcast once in a while. I got a, I got a lot of good. You would be really good on that, yeah. Yeah, it, it feels especially o- Oscar season's coming up in a few months. But do you watch good movies or only bad movies? Oh no, I watch good movies. The problem is there just haven't been a lot of good movies for me. Do you to watch see good lately. movies or do you watch bad movies that only you think are good? I watch both, but again, <laughs> I will make a complaint that. Have you seen the English Patient? <laughs> I was six when that movie came out, so no. The answer is no, and there haven't been, just haven't been a lot of good movies. I think that have come out in the last few months. I think the last movie I saw was was it Dawn of the Planet of the War for the Planet of the Apes. I think it was the last movie I saw in theaters. Is really good. Oscar 
favorite, I believe I've heard. Darling Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this podcast, they talk to the mom of the dead woman. And the everything the everything was – every interview was like, you want to go get a Tim Hortons? You want to go get a Tim Hortons? It was like it made me think that every person in Canada goes to Tim Hortons every single day. I think they do. Just like every person in Boston goes to Dunkin' Donuts. But I can't – so to me, Tim – I mean Tim Hortons is like McDonald's, which is fine. But if McDonald's – if they were like, we're going to open 40 McDonald's in Northeast Ohio and people were like, McDonald's is coming. I'd be like, <laughs> what are you talking about? It's like – because there are other places. It's not like – they don't do anything that, that other people don't do just as well. They just do it. It's like, oh, thank goodness. Finally, I'll be able to get coffee and a donut now that Tim Hortons <laughs> is coming. Where could I have gotten one before? Unless, I don't know, Tim, you grew up in Northeast Ohio. I only lived there for a year. Uh, what is the Dunkin' Donuts situation like in Northeast Ohio? Well, I'll be honest with you. Until about a few years ago, there weren't even that many Dunkin' Donuts in Cleveland. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't tell you what the donut situation was when I was in college. Like, if that's so the case, Cleveland, if there's no Dunkin' Donuts, then that's why people are excited about Tim. But By about- the way, you know what Northeast Ohio does have that I wish we had down here? Couple sheets sprinkled in Northeast oh, nice. Ohio, but aren't there? But there are aren't there local donut places? I have a local donut place in my town. You drive through it? No. Yeah, there's a local donut a place key. in Brunswick. I forget what the name of it is. I think it just might be something as simple as Donut Shop. I'm giving, I'm giving those guys a shout out. They make phenomenal donuts. I remember when I used to go there. I was seven, eight years old. They had like little. They had like a little Super Mario Brothers arcade game. It was always nice, fantastic. Get a donut, play a little arcade game for a few minutes while you're. parents finish finish the coffee. You know what? It was a good start to your morning. You, you know what? Tim Hortons doesn't have. Super Mario Brothers. There's not going to be a Super no, Mario Brothers. No, in Tim donuts. Unless they have like an NES Classic there or whatever at every table. So, it, I don't know if if that's it. If this is just if there are no drive-through donut shops, then I guess okay. But like, just don't go to Tim Hortons. Think it's going to change your life. It's just it's just what it's just donuts and coffee. I don't know, brother. Do you like Dunkin' Donuts coffee more than McDonald's coffee? I drink Dunkin' Donuts coffee every morning. That's oh, you like donuts? Get donuts I get at the store. Yeah, yeah. it's very good. Um, there's a corollary to that. It's a di- it's it's on a different tenor, and this happened right as I was moving down here early August when they announced that they were bringing Raising Canes to Cleveland for the first time after years of like you know everybody in Columbus raves about it. There's people in Cleveland who are like, oh, I wish I had it. Finally comes to Cleveland. Probably a different thing because Cleveland, outside of Guthrie's downtown, doesn't have a pure chicken strip place. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're bringing you something you don't have. This is just donuts. Although this is. This is another good donut company. So it's it's competition. Competition is never a bad thing. Whether it be in donut coffee shops or in football, competition is never a bad thing. Okay. Should we rip through some food questions before we wrap up? Yes. Is Snickers the best candy bar? Yes or no? Just a hard yes or no. Does Kit Kat count? count is it? Snickers the best candy bar? Yes or no? Uh, I, don't, I, I have a take. I can't answer it in yes or no. So I guess I don't get to participate in this question. It's a hard no from me. No. We can expand the conversation, but I just need to know first, is Snickers the best, yes or no? No. It, however, is the most consistent candy bar. There are times when I bad. just want a Snickers. It's not the Snickers top end. Snickers ceiling. Snickers doesn't have a, as high of a ceiling as some candy bars, but it has a very high basement. A Snickers, you're never going to get a Snickers and be disappointed. You're always going to enjoy it. I'll enjoy other candy bars more at times, but sometimes if you tell me this is this has happened to all of you, 
You go to a vending machine and it's kind of a wonky vending machine. There's a bunch of crap in there and you think, I don't want anything in here. And then you see there's a Snickers in there and you think, oh, I'll get a Snickers. I know that's going to be good. Snickers has saved me many, many times. In a whole rack at a convenience store when there's 70 candy bars, Snickers is not the best one there. But also, if you wind up with a Snickers, you'll never be disappointed. It's not the best candy bar, but it has the best candy bar commercials, including the legendary one of the kitties, the Snickers bar, Patrick Ewing shows up and dunks on him and destroys the backboard. I don't know if that's legendary. Bill made... It's fantastic. Bill made the smirkiest smirk I've seen from him yet about my Snickers take. I just don't Disgusting. like... How could you be disappointed by a candy bar? Can I have an example of you getting dis, or disappointed by a candy bar, please? Let me, but I guess I will say this: like, aren't there times like, oh, I'm not really a that like, a, like an almond joy. An almond joy would disappoint me. You're not speaking my language because I don't like nuts, so I'm out on all these things. I've never had a Snickers. Snickers? <laughs> what? What? Wait, stop the pot. I don't eat oh. peanuts, and I don't like peanuts. Like you don't like. What do you mean you don't like you peanuts? Like, and what like you're you're not, don't like are peanuts? You like Have you ever eaten a peanut? Or? Yeah, I don't like them. Okay, that would affect your enjoyment of a Snickers. Yeah, I like peanut butter though. You like that's weird, but I respect that. Yeah, like I I only eat peanuts as like a topping on like a candy bar or a dessert. I don't like eating them separate. But you throw peanuts, almonds, pecans on a Sunday, I'm game. I will pound a peanut in any situation. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, when people combine food and football into the same question, or at least the same tweet. This is from Chase Richardson, and I'm going to read the whole thing: cake or pie? And also, where does the loss last week put Penn State? Or where does the loss last week to Penn State put Michigan in terms of their future plans, i.e., is Penn State a better program than Michigan? (laughs) One, pie. Two, Penn State is a better program than Michigan. Agreed. Tim? (laughs) Cake? Because I'm going to include Cheesecake in this, which is going to include Cheesecake Factory and the the freaking 4,000 options they have at Cheesecake Factory, so I will say cake. It disappoints me that you think cake and the first thing you go to is the conglomerate cheesecake. And also, it boggles me that you think cake and the first thing you go to is pie. Pie. (laughs) Cheesecake is pie. And you know why? You know what differentiates? Yes. That's all it is. There is There is a hard line. Cake doesn't have crust. Pie has crust. That is it. I'm trying to think of anything else in life. It might be the most black and white thing there is in life. If you took a hamburger and made it long and skinny and put it in a long skinny bun, it wouldn't make it a hot dog. Correct. It would just be a long skinny hamburger. Cheesecake is just thick pie. By the way, uh, if you're in town for the Penn State game this weekend, Friday night my band, Long Skinny Hamburger, is playing (laughs) in the short north. Um... What's your favorite Halloween candy? That's from Kyle Brandenburg. I have a weird answer to this. Um, so I'll let you guys answer first. Did you like a favorite Halloween candy growing up? I was always a big Kit Kat guy. I'm still kind of a, a big Kit Kat guy. I admit, I was at Walmart Sunday. There, they had a ton of white chocolate Kit Kat bars. I really wanted to just take a bunch of photos and tweet them at you. You though. lost me at white chocolate. Peanut butter cups. I was getting excited able to see a peanut butter cup in the bag. So those are the those are the go tos I think M and M's I mean Kit Kats peanut butter cups those are like one A and one B for me. This is not something that I usually got trick or treating, but it's a candy that is put around on Halloween time. I really like candy corn, like love candy corn. 
My girlfriend thinks it's weird. Some people hate candy corn. I know. And like, I'm I can I can see why. I don't know why I like it so much, but I really enjoy it. I like it in small doses. I'll I eat also a whole hate... pound bag of it. Do you have anything that you hate that's like, you actually hate it, but you love it? You don't, like, if you really broke down, do I think this tastes good? You'd be like, I don't really think it tastes good, but I love to eat it. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I'm trying to think if I have I'm something like that. I have two things that fall Candy corn is one, and the other is pizza combos. Oh, I have a drink that I've recently started drinking that I feel that way about. Kombucha juice? Have you had it? <laughs> That's not a real thing. You're yeah. trying to get me to say it so you can. Bless you. It's, it's a joke. It's a. It's a. You're trying to punk me. It's just like it's. It's just a bacteria culture and some fruit juice. Nice. And like it tastes like that, but there's something refreshing about it too. Yeah. Like, yeah. does it have like a health purpose to it? Yeah, it's like some witch doctor stuff. I don't really think if any of it's actually true, but it's on sale at Target sometimes when I buy it. <laughs> Um, Maybe I make that a series of Tim Tries. Tim Tries Kombucha Juice on YouTube. Oh, I missed the second part of that question. Best Halloween costume. It's not a food question, but did you have a favorite Halloween costume growing up? Uh, I was a ninja for like nine years in a row. Really? Yeah. And I got like eye black and like drew myself a fake goatee and then wore a bandana and just like my my uniform that I don't laugh at me. I was like seven years I'm old. I'm not laughing at you. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing about something else that popped in my head and I won't discuss Anyway, I was a ninja. Now. Go-to was Ninja for a while. I couldn't find a – I was going to a Halloween party in college and I didn't have a costume. And I went to a – I went to like a CVS and I just – I bought a bib for mm. a baby and put it on and I was a baby. Nice. And I thought that was a good – it's like if you were wearing What a else bib, did you wear? Nothing. I mean just like my regular clothes. Okay. I didn't I wear a diaper. diaper yeah. No. With a giant safety pin in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think it was in a Bugs Bunny cartoon? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but if someone says, if you're wearing a bib and someone says, what are you? It's like, what the hell? Do you, I'm a baby. Yeah. So that was easy. When I was in college, uh, my I didn't know what I wanted to be. And my one of my roommates is really good at like arts and crafts. And he made me a giant paper mache panda head. But I didn't know what to wear with it. Like I was like, I had this cool panda head. But I like it was like a mascot style panda head, but it was paper mache. And I was like, this is awesome, but I don't know what to wear. So then I wore like uh, black dress pants, a white shirt, and a black tie. And I people asked me what I was, and I said I was a business casual panda. <laughs> it was a real hit. I gotta ask you. I've, I should have dug this. Have you ever seen the GIF of the panda that goes in the office, smashes the computer monitor, no. takes the keyboard, just whacks it over the table like four or five times? No. Again, that was Bill. Bill hasn't seen it because yeah, that it was, was me. It. I lived it. <laughs> He's like an he's like those famous actors that don't like to watch themselves as a movie. He's yeah. going to watch the Panda commercial. Me and uh, Johnny Depp are the same. Uh, I think I'm out of questions. I have okay. Yeah. Oh wait, chocolate covered pretzels, peanuts, raisins, etc. are great. That's just a statement. What about bacon and other quote non-standard covered foods? I like chocolate covered potato chips. Yeah, that's probably. I don't like chocolate covered peanuts. Big chocolate covered raisins fan. Not the chocolate covered raisins. I'm not. A, I'm not huge on the chocolate covered fruits. Like if you go to like a place and you could like dip a strawberry like in chocolate fondue and stuff like that's not my thing. I look yeah. for the. I look for the other kind of non fruit things to dip in the chocolate. You know what I got a bag of recently at, at Trader Joe's is uh, chocolate covered coffee beans. And you just eat the coffee. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound right. What? I don't really have anything much to contribute as far as like the non-standard cover fruits, except I'm not sure if I'd be the kind of person who would want to mix chocolate and bacon. I feel like if you're having bacon, you want to have it for a specific purpose. 
And chocolate, chocolate and bacon are fantastic separate. I think mixing them, you're asking for a little bit of trouble, or you want, or you're just in that very specific mood. I think they're great for separate situations. I wouldn't want to mix them because they're too good on their own to mix. I agree with that. All right, I had a. There's a boneless. Someone, I like that people now feel like they know us, that they now can guess <laughs> our food tapes. Thanks. And I, I think I know what you're talking about, and we answered this in the 100th podcast. We did? Boneless yeah, and bone-in? Yeah, someone someone called me a boneless guy, and I asked if he was psychic. Yeah. Because I am. Oh, here's another one, I think. And they thought you were bone-in, Landis. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Landis is bone-in, Tim is boneless, I'm definitely boneless. Here's a question you might have missed from Peter Sherman at again at 42 Wallaby Way. Oh, rank, yeah. rank the following establishments: Chipotle, Moe's, Qdoba, and he says there is a correct order. Yeah, the correct order is Moe shouldn't even be on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go Chipotle, Qdoba, Moe's. Uh, Chipotle, Chipotle, and Chipotle. <laughs> I'm with Doug, although I think the margin is is very is razor thin. I think Actually, the margin is very close between Chipotle and Qdoba, I think. For all the Cleveland people who listen, Ohio City Burrito is better than all of them. All right, I think we're almost done. Well, I don't think you can beat a Chipotle Burrito. No. Have you ever had Ohio City Burrito up in Cleveland? Probably not, but... But what, so... It's just but, like a, it's a one-off local... Kind of, kind of the same thing. It's, it's like, like make go through the line and make your own burrito, but it's like a very small... It's across the state street from the West Side Market on... In Ohio City. In yes, that sir. Area. West 25th. Yeah. Um, all right. So we did the boneless thing. All right. I think we're done. Oh, we also got to talk about my uh, my poll. We got to talk about the jerseys. That's I don't believe we got into oh, right. alternate uniforms. And we teased this at the beginning. My quote-unquote semi-scientific poll. When I asked people, what do you think of Ohio State's alternate jerseys? What do you think number one? I'm assuming you guys saw number one. What were the choices? Choice number one, love them. Choice number two, hate them. Choice number three, meh. I'll say meh one. Hate. Love them actually won 44%. Yeah. Meh was 41%. Hate them was 15%. And I'm kind of, I have an interesting thought on the jerseys. Like when the when the initial one first leaked, you know, the, the top part, I was, I just, like, I shook my head. I'm like, uh. But then all of a sudden yesterday, Ohio State drops the full mock-up. With Rashad Berry wearing the jersey, and you know, seeing the full thing, you're know, like, eh, like maybe my opinions turned a little bit. I feel like there's something to seeing it in person versus just seeing like something hanging off a rack. And I think with the with the scarlet cleats and the scarlet bucket leaves on the helmet, it's a look that is not as good as the blackout. And you know, I talked to three or four guys about this on Tuesday, unanimously saying their favorite alternate jersey was the black jersey in 2015. Um, it's not as good as that, but it's not as bad as the 2016 jersey. And I think the 2016 jersey, if is if not the worst, it's number it's number one or number two worst that Nike and Ohio State have put out in the last ten years. But that was a, clearly a nod to a very specific. It's, it was modeled after like in the 1916 uniforms, right? Yeah, yeah. I think this is. I think this and the blackout jersey are the only one that aren't modeled after a past team. So if you're gonna do it, I like the idea of hooking it to something. And Land of Wolves is not a thing to hook it to. So I'm not going to sit here and rant about uniforms because it's just going to make me sound old. But they're wearing gray and they're asking fans to wear black, right? Mm-hmm. They're having a blackout. Yeah. So they're not going to match the team. It's not a gray out. They're not having a gray out, right? They're not. We're not having a gray out. Not a gray out. Not a gray out. We're having a blackout while they're wearing gray. So I don't know. Yeah. I 
like when your team looks like your team. So if that makes me old-fashioned, then so be it. Especially in your biggest games, I like when your team looks like your team. Well, the important thing is LeBron James approves of the jersey, and if LeBron yeah, you know why? Because he's making money. If LeBron James approves of the jersey, they're going to wear it, and it's a recruiting tool. He didn't approve well, of the jersey. I know jersey. what it is. I know he approved of the I mean, shoes. We, we don't. We're past yeah. the point of, of arguing why they do it. The cleats were from that. That's the, the, that's a five year ago argument. The cleats yeah. look great. I think. Uh, I'm, like try, the I'm trying to remember particularly like who said it that they thought the cleats were the best part. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm blanking on who JD JT did not like it. JT was met on the uniform, but he said the shoes were good. But JT was meh. JT would have uh, JT if he, JT might is on Twitter. I don't know how he's much on Twitter. He would have voted meh. I think poll. a meh from JT Barrett is like a also like a pretty defiant no. Like that's that's as that's as much of a stance as he's going to take. Um, did you see Ryan Ginn's tweet about the uniforms that I retweeted today? No. He said the people risking CTE to entertain y'all like the uniforms and want the blackout. So maybe just sit this one out if you don't like it. So I agree with that. Doesn't matter what you think. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Um, Jerome Baker said something to the effect of, you know, he feels like the team plays a little better, even better with the alternate jerseys. There's some, maybe there's something to the younger players of look good, feel good, and Baker kind of attested to that. Like, he feels good when he wears the alternate jerseys. They what they wore against Clemson? Alternate jerseys. I thought they wore the regular ones. Uh, playoff jerseys are... All right. D- DeLillo asked us a bunch of questions. I, I don't even know how he knows this. He said, McDonald's sales have improved 4.1% this quarter on the back of cheap deals like the $2 pick two. Are you more quality or quantity fast food buyers? Uh, we on like a shareholders conference call? I don't even understand what that is. <laughs> he pulled those numbers out of his butt. Is he making that up to make me feel stupid, or does he just have fast food I think he's profit pretty- margins <laughs> in his head? You see, I wonder if he's a Wall Street Journal subscriber. He saw that, and then was like, oh, I'm thinking of a question. I'll send it to these guys. All right, we're petering out here a little bit. Yeah. But Here's the main thing. Quality versus quantity is why fast, casual food is the greatest American invention of the 21st. It's more important than the Internet. It's more important than indoor plumbing. Fast, casual food that threads the needle of quantity and quality that you no longer have to choose only between McDonald's or Burger King or waiter and waitress service. That there is something beyond that. Something a little more expensive than McDonald's, but you don't have to sit down. But it's quality food has changed the way that I live my life. I'll take it a step further. Not just fast casual. Fast casual pizza is when no. the game changed. No. I disagree. You know I'm not mean? talking about fast casual. I'm talking about everything else. Yeah. Chipotle. Piata. I had Piata for dinner tonight. It was delicious. Payway. I had Q-Dub on Monday. That's soup. I have a soup restaurant I go to. Zoop. I mean, like, that's... I, the pizza is not it. Pizza I'm fine with. I'm good on pizza. I'm good on, on, on your local pizza joint or Pizza Hut. I'm talking about everything else. By the way, can I break some news? I uh, I found the pizza place in Columbus that I like. Oh, for real? Yeah. What is it? It's called Yellow Brick. It's in Old Town East. Really good. New York side. Square? Triangle. I know. Yeah. <laughs> crust? Yeah. Floppy? Uh, Not so floppy. The crust is a little thicker. Like a little filling, actually. But it's the closest I found to... Well, not the closest I found, but it's been a struggle for me to find triangular cut pizza that I enjoy and Yellow Brick delivered. Okay. Anything else we got to say? No, I feel like this podcast ended 20 minutes ago. Yeah, I don't even know what minute mark we are. We are... An hour and a half I think might be good. We're still 17 minutes behind last week's pace. Yeah, that's not what we should do. 
we should not be going for two hours. An hour and a half is good. Um, we could cut down the food talk. It's Penn State week, though. No, we can tuck down the football talk. Um, Saturday, 3.30, Ohio Stadium. We'll be there. We'll do a podcast after that game. We'll have a bunch more videos coming this week. We'll have our outrageous picks on Thursday. We'll have our game picks on Friday. Five reasons each team wins on Friday. We have a couple more recruiting things coming. Uh, I have a Terrell Pryor thing looking back uh, 10 years ago. Um, to his recruitment during the fall of 2007 that I think is pretty interesting. Has some updated quotes from some people. That'll be dropping on Wednesday. Uh, we have some James Franklin, Urban Meyer stuff still ahead. Um, much more stuff about this Ohio State team getting ready for this game. Lots of stuff coming. So make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU. Follow us on Twitter at Tim Bielek 25 at – no. <laughs> at Tim Bielek, at Bill Landis 25. At, at Bill Landis 25 and at Hips Don't Lie. Yeah, so now I have now we've officially given me three Twitter handles by the end of this. If I would love to, I'm not. I fear the day when I'm have a not Tim Bielek Twitter account. That's like a parody Tim Bielek Twitter. That would be like, but that's gonna that's gonna spark your career. You're gonna be the hips don't lie guy. Um, <laughs> at Buckeye Talk Pod at Doug Lane Maurice. Subscribe to us wherever fine podcasts are available for subscription, iTunes, and elsewhere. Um, and thanks again to you guys for listening. Listen, we, we were thinking about trying to pull together a little gathering uh, for the Penn State game, and I don't think we're going to be able to do it. It's just it's such an important game, and we kind of have a lot of stuff to do before the game to get ready. Probably want to do like a live video thing, uh, make sure we're on top of covering that game. We are definitely going to do a meet and greet with Buckeye Talk fans in the West Stadium lot before a home game, either against Michigan State or Illinois. So we will keep you updated on that, but we are definitely going to do that. Okay, We want to hang out with you guys. We appreciate you reading. We appreciate you guys listening. So we'll do that. Sorry we couldn't pull it together for Penn State, but we're trying to make it kind of as fun and cool as possible. So we're still working on that. So um, thanks again to you guys. For Tim and Bill, I'm Doug, and that was Buckeye Talk.